Genesis 38. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. There, Judah met a daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and made love to her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who he named Ur. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth to still another son and named him Shelah. It was at Kezib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Sleep with your brother's wife and fulfil your duty to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death also. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Live as a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought he may die too, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went to Timnah, to the men who were shearing his sheep, and his friend Hira the Adullamite went with him. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Anaim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that though Shelah had now grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. When Judah saw her, he thought that she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face, not realising that she was his daughter-in-law. He went over to her by the roadside and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you, she asked. I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it, she asked. He said, what pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend the Adullamite in order to get his pledge back from the woman, but he did not find her. He asked the men who lived there, where is the shrine prostitute who was beside the road at Anaim? There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Besides, the men who lived there said, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute. Then Judah said, let her keep what she has, or we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send her this young goat, but you didn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution, and as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law, I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you recognise whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognised them and said, she is more righteous than I, since I would not give her my son Shelah, and he did not sleep with her again. When the time came birth, 
When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand. So the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it on his wrist and said, this one came out first. But when she drew, when he drew back his hand, his brother came out and she said, so this is how you have broken out. And he was named Perez. Then his brother who had the scarlet thread on his wrist came out and he was named Zerah. Perez means to break out and Zerah means red. So this uh, seems like an interruption to the Joseph story because I said in the last video that from chapter 37 to the end of the book was the Joseph story and it is. But now we've got this one chapter where we are not talking about Joseph, we're talking about Judah. Does seem like an interruption, but I don't think it is. I think this is a part of the Joseph story because it's going to contrast Joseph's behavior in Egypt as a slave with the behavior of his brothers back in Canaan because his brothers behave in terrible, immoral ways. Look at this behavior of Judah in this chapter, the things that he did with the prostitute, with his sons, the son, the the behavior of his sons, all of it's terrible. Even Tamar, you know, she goes about doing the right thing, but in a wrong way. The behavior, all of this is terrible. Judah is taking Canaanite women for his wives, which was something that his father didn't do and his grandfather didn't do and his great-grandfather didn't do. Like, he's, there's been a change. So all these sons of Jacob are acting in crazy ways. But Joseph who's lost his freedom and gone to Egypt, we're about to, st to start learning in the next chapter, is acting righteously. So I think this is a part of the story. I think this is an interruption, but it's not an interruption because it's contrasting the behavior of, of different people. So, for example, we know that, that, that Judah, um, he sought out evil, um, but even though there were no Ten Commandments, Joseph sought out righteousness. Like, who told him to do that? We're going to learn more about that in the chapters ahead. In this story, we've got the, the, the three sons of Judah. The first one dies because he's wicked. The second son has to fulfill this legal and moral obligation by having um, basically sleeping with his brother's wife so that his brother can now have children. So like when a, when a brother would die, he was married, an older brother in this culture, uh, and they were, he died with no children, one of the brothers would fulfill the obligation to get his wife pregnant so that he could have children. And then that way the family name could continue on. And I mean, it seems considerate. And, um, but Onan, he does the sleeping with the wife part, but then right at the end, he spills the seed on the ground so that she doesn't get pregnant. And um, God puts him to death too for his wickedness. And there's, there's a, you know, some people think that this chapter is talking about contraception, you know, about the, the reason that the Lord put him to death was because he, he was using contraception. But it's not really about that at all. What's happening here is that this boy, this man Onan, he knew that the child wouldn't be his. So it wasn't about contraception. It, it was the fact that he didn't want, he didn't want this child that would be born to not belong to him. He didn't have a problem with wanting children. He just didn't want children that he had to be responsible for that weren't giving him any benefit. So that was, he basically had a selfish attitude towards his brother. And that was evil. 
And there's a lot we can learn from that, not necessarily about contraception, but just about life, you know, in our attitudes towards our brothers and our sisters and people all around us. And, um, and so I think when it comes to contraceptives, there's no clear thing that the Bible says, and we know that God just loves kids. <laughs> and even in the Bible times, you know, the more kids you had, the better it was. And in the Psalms, it says, you know, blessed is the man who has all these children around his table. You know, I think from God's perspective, kids are just wonderful. In our church here at Peace, there's no rules uh, about this. We, we just love kids and people are free to have as many as they want and they're free to make their own choices to not as well. We don't tell people what to do, and uh, but it's good for people to have the permission to have a lot of children because children are wonderful. And um, in this chapter, there's so many chaotic things going on. It is definitely one of the most interesting, crazy chapters in the book of Genesis. And then it ends with the birth of these twins. So Judah kind of ends up getting his daughter-in-law pregnant and so these children that are born are his children, but they're kind of sort of grandchildren as well. It's very strange. But then these children, these twins end up, one of them ends up being the ancestor of Christ. You know, the family line of Christ goes through to Judah, but it goes through these twins, it goes through one of the two twins. And so I think that we look at this and we think that you know, on one hand, people do the craziest, dumbest things. But on the other hand, God is so amazing. He just works through it all. And there's a big debate, you know, is God sovereign? You know, does he completely control everything or do people have choices? It's both. It's both. People do do crazy things and God's so sovereign. He just knows how to work. God's amazing. You just can't, you just can't understand him. So um, I think we end a chapter like this and we just think, isn't God remarkable? Isn't God wise? And um, Lord, we worship you. You are so wise. On one hand, we humans are wild and crazy. As this chapter so demonstrates, on the other hand, Lord, you are so wonderful and sovereign. Thank you, Lord, that you work through our lives. And Lord, we surrender this morning and we worship you. We thank you for being our God. May our love and respect for the Lord increase in the name of Jesus.